0: The sermon series that we're into right now is actually the child of that former series. Because we have been talking about your five, we need to talk about the hope we have. Not just a simple hope, but a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter talks about the living hope that we have in Jesus. We want to share that hope with Our five, with those five people that we love so very much. This morning we talked about the two most important steps that we can take to help our five come to discover and obey Jesus. That is to make sure that we know who we are. We're Christians. And if we're Christians, we need to act like we are Christians 24-7. And more than just knowing, we've got to be a Christian. We've got to actually put into practice what we preach. But why do we sometimes fail? I cannot speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I believe sometimes in my life, I have failed with my five. And by the way, I've had 55 people on my list during my adult lifetime. Sometimes I have failed to influence my five because I underappreciated God's love. I can look back on times in my life where I did not fully comprehend how much God loved me. There are times in my life when I can say to you, I did not appreciate God's love the way I should. And because of that, I failed to influence My five. How about you? All the young people will recognize this picture up here. It's a a movie that came out several years ago called Kung Fu Panda. It's a story of a flabby, out of shape. Stop right there. Maybe that's the reason why I like the movie. Okay, maybe I resemble this guy. A flabby, out of shape panda bear named Pole who longs to learn the ancient art of kung fu. In fact, he wants to be the dragon warrior, the greatest kung fu fighter. Well, through a series of events, he is selected to be the next dragon warrior. But then comes the news that the greatest villain in all of China had broken out of prison. And he was on his way to the village to defeat the dragon warrior. That's the dragon warrior. When he finds out, what does he do? He turns around and he starts walking off. His teacher says, stop right there. You're the dragon warrior. You can't leave. I can't leave? Just watch me. And he keeps on leaving Quickly, the teacher pops up there in the staircase and stops him again and says, you can't leave. You've got to defend the village. Poe asks, how can I defend the village? How can I defeat the greatest villain in all of China? You don't even believe in me. You don't think that I can be the dragon warrior. How are you going to teach me to defeat the enemy. The teacher looks down. He says, I don't know. I just don't know. And Poe walks out of the scene. Now, you know the story. He does face off to the the enemy, and he does end up defeating the enemy. But here's my point. Poe did not believe that he deserved the status of dragon warrior because in his heart he knew that he was really not qualified he had not really earned that status don't you feel sometimes like Paul? as Christians we have been given a status we don't deserve we haven't earned it we haven't uh, earned it through merit It's been given to us as a gift, a gift when we obeyed Jesus. We became a child of God, a Christian. But sometimes we don't live like a Christian. You may wonder, how could God ever transform me into something useful? How could God ever take my life and use my life to impact my five? The answer to that question is here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2. Go back to that verse that Thomas read. The very last verse, verse 3 of chapter 2. If indeed you have tasted, circle the word tasted, that the Lord is gracious. Circle that word gracious. Our spiritual transformation to be the type of person that can really impact our five begins and ends with really understanding God's love. First of all, it begins when we taste God's love. It begins when we experience, when we experience the goodness of God, when it's more than just words on a page, but we experience it literally when we taste that God is kind and loving. You know, you can look at food. You can look at food on a table. And it may look good, it may look appealing, it may even smell good. But not until you taste it do you know that it's good. When we experience, really come to understand and experience the goodness of God, we come to better understand His love. Now, I'm going to do something that I don't believe I've ever done with a text for a sermon. I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to start in chapter 2, verse 3, and we're going to work backwards to chapter 1, verse 22. Why am I doing this? Because Peter, as he writes here, he assumes that his readers have already done verse 3 of chapter 2. He assumes that his readers have already tasted God's so that's where we begin our spiritual journey. We must first taste God's love. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, If I've got it in red, I'm going to be talking about it. So get ready, that word easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word easy here comes from the very same Greek word as the word gracious in chapter 2, verse 3. The love of God. It's not difficult. The love of God is not hard. You've just got to open up your mind and open up your heart to receive it. You've got to appreciate God's love. You can't gloss over it. You can't overlook it. You need to stop and, as they say, smell the roses. You know, sometimes we go through life so quickly that we, we fail to appreciate. We, we fail to appreciate. We need to stop and ah, smell those roses. Appreciate God's love. Dear friends, if you have never appreciated, if you never experienced the loving kindness of Jesus, please come to Him today and get a taste. Taste that the Lord is good that he is kind that he is pleasant Romans chapter 2 or do you despise the riches of his goodness forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance if we open up our minds to the stories that are found here in the bible what do we see we see God's plan of love going all the way back to chapter one of Genesis, all the way through Revelation. We see God's goodness. We see God's kindness. And it's just the natural reaction to appreciate that if we'll truly appreciate what God has done for us His goodness. Psalm chapter 34, oh, taste. Uh, by the way, that's the same word that we've been looking at here. The Hebrew, if you go back to the Septuagint, in the Septuagint, it's the same word as the Greek word here in chapter 2. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. God is good. God is good. But you know, but sometimes what happens, we think we deserve everything. You know, hey, look at me. I deserve what I have. I've worked hard for what I have. You know, I have accumulated. I have strived. I built a. No, no, no. Anything we have is because of God, everything we have is because of God. God has given us the ability. God has given us our health. God has given us our minds, our backbone, whatever it takes to have what we have. It's because of God. But you know what? A taste is not good enough. Why does ice cream parlors, why do they let you sample the ice cream? Think about it. Why does an ice cream parlor let you sample the ice cream? because you're not gonna stop at a taste. That little spoon they give you with that little drop of ice cream, boy, that ice cream is good. Give me two scoops. A taste is not quite enough, is it? For how could anyone who has taken just a small sample of God's kindness resist the urge to consume the whole platter? That leads us to the second step in our spiritual transformation of understanding God's love. Once we've tasted God's love, then we crave God's Word. Chapter 2, verse 2. Remember, we're going backwards. Chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. I want to show a picture here that every parent has experienced. Right? (laughs) That child sitting there in his high chair and he's crying because why? You are not feeding that child quick enough, fast enough. He's not getting what he wants and he is letting you know. Do we crave God's word like a baby craves milk? Do we crave God's Word like a newborn craves food? You know, I love studying with new Christians. i got to tell you the story. Several years ago, while in Romania, a group of uh, young Romanians asked me to come to a certain apartment to do a Bible study with them. Uh, We went to the apartment. It was about 8 o'clock. Uh, it was on a Saturday evening, and I was about two, maybe two and a half miles away from the apartment where I was staying for this mission work. Well, what they were doing was uh, picture Bible investigation rapid fire. I mean, as soon as one, one Romanian would ask me a question, the next Romanian would ask me a question. So they're asking me questions back and forth. We're studying God's Word. I'm looking at my watch because I had traveled to that apartment via what they call the metro, which is what we would call a subway. I knew how to get back to the apartment, but only via the subway. Charlie, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm looking because I know that the, the subway closes down a little past midnight. And I'm looking at my watch because it's now 10.30, it's now 11, it's now 11.15. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get back to that apartment? There's no way that I could figure out how to get back on my own. I finally stood up and said, hey guys, it's 11.30. I hate to do this, but I've got to leave. Sorry. And I left. Got back to my apartment. The next morning at worship service, this would be around ten o'clock. I saw one of the guys walk in to the building. I asked him, "When did you shut down the Bible study after I left?" Oh, about two o'clock. They had went through six hours of Bible study. Why? Why would they go through six hours of Bible study and then have to get up at, say, 9 o'clock or so the next morning to go to worship service? Because they craved God's Word. Amy, you know what I'm saying? They crave it. The very first time I I preached there, I I got up and I preached a a lesson. Uh, About 30 minutes is my standard is. And I sat down. The lady behind me tapped me on the shoulder and said, Are you taking a break? Are you going to get back up? I wasn't planning on it. Well, why did you stop? They wanted it to go longer. They were not happy with me because I had only preached 30 minutes. The next time I preached longer than 30 minutes, I'll tell you. That's craving God's Word. Do you have that kind of craving for God's Word? You need, if you want to grow, you need that kind of craving. You need to have a ravenous appetite for spiritual things if you want God to transform you into something useful that can be used to impact your five. do you appreciate our elders the way you should? Think about what they do for you. They give you 16 opportunities each week for an organized study of God's Word. Count them, 16. Four here in the building, 12 online. That's 16. Do you take advantage of that? Do you take advantage of like the, the Tuesday ladies Bible study? Do you take advantage of special opportunities to get into God's Word? Do you take advantage of our first principal classes? Do you take advantage of that? Do you take advantage of the family memory passage that's another product of our elders? Why are the elders doing this? Because they won't all of us to grow they want all of us to appreciate god's love you notice this picture here is planted over a bible there's a reason for that god's love is all through the bible now i know a dad hint hint <clears throat> i know a dad who once hit a hundred dollar bill in his son's bible not going to say his name you probably can guess I put the Bible. Well, say like, he he put the Bible. He put the hundred dollars in a place where the son should have opened the Bible to. It was a passage that they were studying that week in class. At the end of the week, that dad looked in the Bible and that hundred dollars was still there. That dad said, "Hey, look here, son. Hundred dollars." That could have been yours. Thank you. It's mine. Do we open up God's Word only on Sundays? As we grow older, as we grow older in our spiritual life, sometimes, yes, sometimes we maybe lose that passion for the Bible. Perhaps that describes you. The passion is gone. The appetite for spiritual things is longer there like it was when you first became a believer and a Christian. You say, yes, that's me, Michael. How can I get my appetite back? Well, Peter tells us. Verse 1. Remember, we're going backwards. Verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Peter, what, what are you saying there, Peter? Peter, if we're going to get our appetite back for the pure spiritual milk of God's Word, then we need to get rid of Satan's junk food. You know what junk food does? Potato chips, hostess Twinkies, Candy bars. Did your mother ever say that will spoil your appetite? We need to put away Satan's junk food. We need to put away those wrong attitudes of the heart that keeps us from loving each other. Because if God's love is in us, then we're going to love people around us. The five things that Peter lists here are all things that hinder healthy relationships. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. That's like junk food, which takes away our appetite for the things of the Spirit. Several years ago now, we had some folks uh, go out to Grand Canyon. Okay, Uh, you had a great trip. Several years ago, park rangers in the Grand Canyon National Park had to kill over two dozen mule deer. Why? Because these deer had got hooked on the junk food that visitors were leaving at the campsites. And they so much craved the sugar and salt of the junk food, they wouldn't graze, they wouldn't eat. And they were bringing on disease. And the park rangers were afraid that that disease would then spread to the whole herd. So they killed those deer that was hooked on the junk food. So it is when we ingest thoughts of sweet revenge. Bitter treachery, sugar-coated hypocrisy, sour envy, and acidic slander. Such a diet keeps us from hungering for the things of God. You see, when our relationships are not right, then our appetites are all wrong. We cannot love God and hate people at the same time. 1 John 4. If someone says, I love God, And hates his brother. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? So if you want your craving back for the things of God, you have to put away those things that are hindering healthy relationships. Put away those attitudes, those actions of the heart that keeps us from getting close to each other in the Lord. And that leads us to our third and final step in our spiritual transformation. Step one, we taste God's love. Come to appreciate it. Step two, we crave God's word. And step three, we love God's people deeply and sincerely. Now, here we're going to be reading verses 23 through 25. But I need to set up verse 23 through 25 by reading verse 22. Look at verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in what? Sincere love. Not phony love. Not love just on the surface, but deep down. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently. Circle that word. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. That word in Greek that's translated in English as fervently, it appears in Luke 22. Remember in Luke 22, Jesus is in the garden, and He's praying, and He's praying so deeply that the sweat is like big drops of blood coming from His body. That expression fervently is used to describe Jesus praying in the garden. Very same word. What is Peter here saying to us? We need to love like that. Jesus was praying to the max. He was praying deeply, sincerely. We need to love the same way. Now, look at verse 23. Verse 23. Having been born again, we're born again. We put off the old man, Romans chapter 6. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through how the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Why? Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. God's love will never stop. Will the stock market in New York ever stop? Could. We don't know. Will air travel ever stop? Could, we just don't know. Will the dollar bill ever lose its ability? Could, we don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of things I don't know. I'm not very smart. But here's one thing I do know. God's love will never stop. God's love will always be there for us. When we obey the truth, whether we feel like it or not, we can love one another deeply from the heart. Why? Because we think, hey, if Jesus could love the people that crucified him, if Jesus could forgive the people who crucified him, I can love that guy that's a little bit grumpy, that's a little bit difficult, that's a little bit unlovable. I can love him. There are not many Christians now in Jerusalem. That's a sad fact. The place where the church started in the city of Jerusalem has very few Christians. But there is one particular Christian I want to talk about. He is actually a Palestinian. He's not Jewish. And he's a Christian. He's a faithful Christian. he had a very difficult time growing in the Lord. He became a Christian by his own statement. He said, I became a Christian, but I didn't grow until about seven years after I became a Christian. What happened seven years after? For those of you who don't know, there is a um, lot of tension between the, the Israeli state and the Palestinian state. And the Israelis don't like the Palestinians, and the Palestinians don't like the Israeli. And in Israel, if you're Palestinian, you are treated as a second-class citizen. You are subject to search at any time. You could be walking down the street if an Israeli border guard sees you and he is suspicious. He has the right to stop you and Demand your ID and search you. This Palestinian Christian had been stopped and searched many times in his life. And every time it happened, it was embarrassing. It interrupted his schedule. He maybe needed to get to work and it would make him late for work or whatever. It was just not good. And even though he was a Christian, for seven years he said, I hated those Israeli border guards. I didn't like him one bit. But then he kept on reading about God's love. He kept on reading about God's love and the love of Jesus. And he thought, you know, if Jesus was here in a bodily form, he would not have that attitude. I've got to do something about that. I'm, I'm never going to grow as a Christian. He realized he was not growing. He said, I'll never grow as a Christian if I still have this attitude, this hatred toward the Israeli border guards. So what he did is he took cardstock and he printed up on a printer a little card that he would have. One side was in Hebrew, the other side was in English. It was some verses from Isaiah chapter 53. What's special about Isaiah chapter 53? That is one of the wonderful chapters in the Old Testament that deals with the coming Messiah. And he, he picked out, he cherry-picked some key verses. He put them on both sides of the paper, the card stock, Hebrew and English. At the very bottom, he said, can I tell you about the Messiah that came? That's all it said. Bible verses and then one question at the bottom. And he would be stopped by the Israeli border guards and they would demand his ID and he would gladly hand over the ID and give them a card at the same time. That happened... In fact, it's continuing to happen because he's still alive. That has happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. One conversion, one border guard stopped being a border guard and became a Christian. But more than that, it helped that Palestinian Christian to grow in his faith. Because now, he said, I want the border guards to stop me. He said, I look, in fact, I will purposely get in, in a place where they'll see me and they'll stop me. Because I want the opportunity, in his words, to witness for my Jesus. He said, I want to tell them about my Jesus. And now, that Palestinian Christian who's now... He's in his 60s. He's growing in his faith and love. Do you want to be able to love sincerely and from the heart as God wants you to love? Then start with simple obedience to His Word. Decide, like that Palestinian Christian, that you're going to show love, whether you feel it or not. By the way, the first few times he gave them that card... He didn't really want to, but he did. Decide to show love, whether you feel it or not, and let God change your heart, because he will. And guess what? When God changes your heart, your five will eventually see it. Your five will see it, and it will impact them. It's God's plan for our spiritual transformation. He doesn't want us to stay as we are. He wants us to grow. It's a plan that begins and ends with love. First, we taste God's love, then, we crave God's word, then, only then do we love God's people. Then, and only then do we love one another deeply from the heart. Are you a Christian tonight? How can you impact your five for Jesus if you're not a Christian? I don't see how you can. So you need first to become a Christian. If you are a Christian, are you a faithful Christian? Can people see the difference that Jesus makes in your life? For seven years, that Palestinian Christian said, people can see Jesus in me because... I wasn't growing. Yeah, I was a Christian, but I was a Christian in name only. Do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. be